When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Titterpigs, the RPG podcast. Am I getting paid for this one? For episode 22 of Titter Pigs. In the studio tonight, we're going to do something a little different. We've got with us David Larkins uh, from Chaosium. Scott, what are we doing with David tonight? We are definitely not recording a second time because we forgot to press the record button, but we are going to be playing Pendragon, uh, a game that uh, I I am very excited to be playing. And um, as I've stated on the social medias, this is also going to be doing a dual purpose for me as I'm running this game this weekend. And this is going to count as prep. And uh, what better way uh, than not only to play the game uh, as opposed to just kind of reading it and hope for the best, but to, you know, uh, the lead designer of this game and Pendragon and whatnot to uh, show us how it's to be done right. David, welcome. Done as right as it could be. Uh, <laughs> there is no right way. <laughs> I mean, right. There, you're very true. Uh, but uh, but still, I mean, to make sure that I'm, you know, following at least the rules, uh, sure. because that's the best I can hope for. Uh, but again, welcome, David. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. We appreciate you uh, taking the time to come run this game for us. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, glad I can help your con prep. <laughs> I think his players are going to be very happy, too. So, yeah, <laughs> so it's it's a win all the way around. Uh, before we get into the, um, letting David take the reins, um, let us do a quick introduction for uh, listeners, for our players. Yeah. Uh, so playing tonight's game is going to be um, Roz. Say hi, Roz. Hi, Roz. Pookie, who's a frequent flyer on the show. Good morning. And then obviously Scott will be a player. I'll be a player myself. And then David will be behind the virtual GM screen running the game for us. So, David, uh, we're going to turn everything over to you. And uh, the show is yours, my friend. Okay, great. Well, uh, as Scott indicated, tonight we will be playing... The quick start uh, scenario from the Gen Con 2022 promo. Uh, this is called the Adventure of the Sword Tournament. And it's um, actually it also serves a dual purpose because it is taken from 
the contents of the forthcoming Pendragon starter set. So this is actually the first act of the first scenario in our little campaign pack that we have in the uh, starter set. Um, so I find it generally, you know, moves along pretty quickly. It's not a long scenario, you know, of course, unless you want it to be. But as far as uh, <laughs> what's written, uh, you get through it pretty quickly. We'll see how we do tonight. And, um, you know, we'll talk a little bit after the adventure wraps up as well, just so that we can maybe, uh, you know, talk about our impressions of the game. Because my understanding is that um, three out of four of you are new to the game. Is that correct? Yes. Um, I played I played Pendragon before. So two out of four. Okay. Well, that's not too bad. Um, but I'll go over the rules uh, regardless for newcomers and veterans alike. And then we'll uh, jump in. I understand you've all selected uh, one of the pre-generated characters that comes with the starter set as well. And I'll yes. give you guys a chance to uh, to go through and uh, introduce yourselves and your characters um, uh, shortly after we get into the scenario. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think I think before we we jump into the scenario, uh, we can just talk about the rules a little bit and the game and how the game works. So, uh, as the name Pendragon indicates, this is a game set in the time of King Arthur, the Knights of the Round Table, etc. And um, the conceit of the game is that everybody plays a knight. So this is not your sort of typical ragtag band of, you know, various and sundry adventurers. Um, you all kind of occupy the same general uh, stratum of society. You all sort of have the same job, as it were. Um, where the game shines, in my opinion, is in exploring what makes your knight unique. Um, the tales of Arthur are filled with very distinctive personalities. You know, every knight in the canon is, um, well, every well-known knight maybe, is um, distinguished by their loves, their hates, what drives them. And also a common theme in Arthurian tales is uh, knights being driven to do things against their better judgment by those beliefs and passions. So um, Pendragon replicates that. Uh, we have two statistics, traits, and passions. And those are really what, those are the core of your characters. Um, those are what uh, kind of drive your characters. Uh, it can help you decide on a course of action if you're not sure. Um, or sometimes it can even force your hand, uh, particularly if you are um, well-known in a particular trait or passion. So um, the setting, the time that we're starting this on or uh, in, um, Pendragon exists on the spectrum of the Arthurian myths. And so the game's creator, Greg Stafford, uh, in addition to uh, you know his very elegant uh, game design work, also applied his deep knowledge of Arthurian legend to create a cohesive timeline uh, that runs from before the time of King Uther, the Arthur's predecessor, all the way to the, the final battle where Arthur falls and the dream dies. Um, this is at least 80 game years long. And so, so uh, yes. 
what you're saying is just like in his other game, Glarantha, the most important question is, what year is it? What year is it exactly? So the year is 510. Um, and for those veteran Pendragon listeners, um, they'll know that this is the year that um, the future of Britain changes forever. Just put it that way. So we will, as we get into the scenario, I'll give you guys a little um, capsule history of what's going on in Britain and, um, you know, why you might be present at this sword tournament. So a quick review of the mechanics, I think, before we jump in. So game's very simple, just uses two types of dice, a d20 and a d6. Um, at a minimum, you need one d20, and it's handy if you have a little handful of d6s, four or five or six of them, uh, usually enough for most uh, uses. Um, the d20 is pretty much um, used for any, any task resolution or just rolling against any of the values on your character sheets. Your character's val uh, statistic values range from 1 to 20, and you roll a d20 against that value. And it's kind of the blackjack rule. Uh, you want to get as high, as close to that number, that target number, without going over on your roll. So for instance, if you had a, um, let's say a reckless trait, and I asked you to roll against your reckless trait to um, see if you do something untoward. Um, and so let's say you had a reckless trait of 15, because you're particularly reckless, uh, you would roll the d20. And if you rolled 15 or under, that means you're gonna act recklessly. If you roll 16 or higher, then um, you know, you're know you free to act however you like. If you rolled a 20, that's actually a fumble. So you would act in accordance with the opposite trait, uh, prudence in this case. Likewise, if you roll the exact value of the trait, because that's the best roll you can possibly make without failing, that's your critical success. So if you critically succeeded at your reckless roll, then you're going to act really recklessly. So that's basically it. We we roll the d20 for skills, for traits, for passions, all of it. Passions um, come into play if you want to boost another value, a trait or skill value. So like if you had a uh, hate passion against a person, uh, you might roll and you're fighting them in combat, you might roll your hate passion first. If you succeed, you're going to get a nice little bonus to your sword skill or whatever you would like. Um, and if you critically succeed, the bonus is even higher. Um, likewise, if you fumble your passion roll, then there's a chance you might fall into melancholy or even go mad, as uh, knights in the Arthurian tales often do. Uh, the d6s only come into play when you're rolling damage. So if you hit that hated enemy, uh, you would roll your damage statistic. Some weapons modify that by giving bonus dice to your pool. Also, if you critically succeed, you get to add four more dice to the pool. So sometimes you can be rolling kind of a double handful of dice for damage, which is tremendously satisfying. Um, and you just total them up, and that's how much damage you do. You subtract the enemy's armor, and they take the difference in hit point damage. Um, obviously, there's some extra nuances there, determining knockdown, whether it's like a major wound, whether you're in danger of falling unconscious, and we'll, we'll cover all that if we have to right. um, as it comes up. But that's basically it. The goal of Pendragon for you as knights is accruing glory. 
that is the most important thing for knights is um, racking up glory points because the higher your glory, the more renowned you are, the more um, respected you are, the more likely you are to get favors or have people flock to your banner uh, or earn favor with your lord or even the king. Um, actions accrue glory, defeating enemies in combat, obviously, but also maybe like a good speech, in, you know, in the in the Lord's Hall or, um, you know, particularly deft use of a skill, for example, could accrue glory um, outside the scope of this scenario. But there's, you know, things like earning titles or, you know, land that would get you glory. So. Um, everything in, in the game ultimately revolves around accruing glory. And uh, I will be tracking glory, even though this is just a short little scenario, because whoever has the most at the end, uh, you know, you win some bragging rights. <laughs> Excellent. No, I mean, I, I for me, I, it's crystal clear uh, as far as the rules are concerned. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, at the application, once everything gets rolling, that's when we may have some some questions and whatnot. So absolutely. Of uh, course. Yeah. So, yeah. Pursuit. Let's do this. <laughs> Pursuit indeed. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, so as I uh, mentioned earlier, the year is 510. Um, the land of Britain has stood on its own since the withdrawal of the Roman legions generations prior. It has been beset by invasions from the continent the hated Saxons, uh, originally invited here as mercenaries, are now having the audacity to actually put down roots and think they can stay. Um, you are all native Britons, Cumric people, as you might call yourselves. And um, all of you, being rather young, have never known a land with a king. Um, the last king of Britain, King Uther, died um 15 years ago when you were all still children um so it is early in the year it is uh, the ninth day of january to be precise so the skies overhead are cold and gray like lead and um, they mirror the mood of the land the last high king of britain ruled even further back that was uther's brother aurelius ambrosius he died 30 years ago and the high king rules all of Britain, not just the southern kingdom of Logris, which is where you find yourselves. Um, more specifically, you are gathered in the old Roman town of Londinium. You've come to attend a grand tournament. This is the first of its kind. Nobody's ever um, heard of or attended a tournament before. Uh, but this has been uh, called um, as perhaps a... Uh, act of desperation by the ruling nobles of Logris, um, for they have decreed that whoever wins this tournament um, becomes the new high king of Britain. Yeah, could be you. Could happen to you. Not, <laughs> sorry, not him. Um, I'm the only native Briton here. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you get some bonus points for that. All right. So Londinium is far and away the largest settlement in, in all of Britain. Um, and as knights from elsewhere, um, this is your first time attending. And, well, 
most likely. And it's your first time at, uh, uh, visiting, I should say, the city. And uh, regardless of your familiarity, it is the most remarkable pit of uh, filth and iniquity you have ever seen. Uh, its lanes are claustrophobic. Um, they seem to swim with garbage and offal. And the uh, burghers and guildsmen of the city have little respect for you or your station. Fortunately for you all, you have your own tents, you have your own camps outside the city walls, so you're not um, obliged to stay inside the walls uh, if you don't want to. I should also mention at this point that as knights, you all, or most of you, say I don't know who you're playing yet, so I'll keep it general, but most of you um, have a squire. So your squire, of course, is a knight in training. You all were once, or perhaps still are, uh, squires yourselves. And um, so you are now taking on the mantle of mentorship to this uh, eager young sidekick who is there to help you out. Um, if you drop your weapon, they'll help you get a new one. If you need some bandaging on your wounds, they're there to do it. Um, they're also great for, you know, uh, fetching things uh, that you might find yourselves in need of and otherwise just kind of being a, you know, a handy dog's body. <laughs> so just something to keep in mind, you know, um, you've kind of got your little NPC companion and, you know, unless uh, otherwise stated at all times. But yeah, so you are all exploring the city. Uh, you know, there's merchants and beggars, thieves, mixing in amongst the common masses, um, both within the city and even in the, the sort of tent town outside the walls. Um, you know, many knights have, have erected their, their tents um, from barons and dukes and counts and even petty kings um, down to the most lowly hedge knight. There are amusements, mostly for the, the peasants, um, and some knights and squires, though, enjoy uh, viewing the Bohort, which is a sort of controlled melee uh, that's uh, put on for squires and commoners, uh, which, you know, knights can bet on. Um, there's bear baiting, uh, sadly, and other uh, games on offer. But uh, of course, most people, most of the knights in attendance are focused on the big prize and getting ready for the tournament tomorrow. Now, as a tournament, this is again a new concept, it has been explained to you that this is a mock battle. You're going to fight it with blunted weapons um, to minimize casualties. Um, some think this is a good idea, others not so much. You know, this is, um, they're only participating because of the, uh, you know, chance of winning the big prize, but, you know, quite a few knights think this is sort of not really what they should be doing. Knights are, knights are here to fight, not to pretend fight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you've been spending the day sightseeing. And um, so we will open in the courtyard of St. Paul's Cathedral. This is a massive Roman basilica. And uh, in the courtyard where you are all standing is a remarkable sight, a sword driven into an iron anvil set atop a rock. The rock bears an inscription, but uh, here's another little detail about life as a knight. 
there's a good chance that that all of you, not most of you, are illiterate. Um, you can look at your character sheets. If you have any points in the literacy skill, that means you can read, but otherwise <laughs> you cannot. I got a big fat whopping zero. Mm -hmm. um, you oh, know. Oh, oh, yeah, oh. I will turn to someone standing next to me and said, uh, Sirs, can anyone here to, um, read what it says there? It, it, it says that you smell like a horse's rear. <laughs> and I give you a slap on the back. Very funny, you, 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 sir. I have no clue. All right. Well, you might have heard. You might have heard some scuttlebutt. So what you all can do. Uh, we'll do our first uh, unopposed roll, as it's called. You're oh. going to take your d20, roll it against your intrigue skill. And again, you want to get equal to or less than your intrigue skill. All right, Roz, you rolled an eight. That's a good. All right. Anyone else? I got a crit. You got a crit. Okay. <laughs> I so, so for listeners at home, my intrigue is a seven. I rolled a seven. Yeah. Very good. Very good. And Roz, you succeeded as well. Yes, mine is a nine. A nine and you rolled an eight. Oh, so close. So close. And let me get the names of your two characters. Uh, Roz, who are you playing? Linnell. Okay. And Keith? I am playing Dame Tamura. Dame Tamura, yes, indeed. Okay, cool. All right. Um, so both of you have um, heard because, uh, the stone has been here for a while. Um, you know, it's got, it's got moss and, you know, little creeper vines, uh, growing up the sides and, you know, um, it, uh, looks like it could use some tending to, you know, um, so both of you have heard of this uh, mysterious artifact. Apparently, like it appeared at some point in the you know distant past again when you were younger. Um, but yeah, it's something about uh, this inscription on the on the stone that says something like, you know, uh, whosoever pulls this sword becomes king of Britain, right? And. Um, and so I'll say uh, for Tamura, since you rolled a critical success, um, I would say that you have also uh, personally heard of some folks who um, actually, you know, came to Londinium at some point in the past and tried their hand at it. They tried to, they tried to pull that sword, and um, by all accounts, it is impossible it, it seems like it's actually fused with this with the stone itself that's fair gotcha yeah um but yeah i mean you know don't let that stop any of you if you want <laughs> if you want to give it a shot <laughs> well um, i mean like, i'm thinking Tamora, of a number i mean i'm thinking Dame... of a number and if you could roll that number on a d20 maybe maybe you'll have a shot you I know mean, but, dame uh, tamora is, is is one to you know the proof is in the deeds, not in the words. So she will, ah. she will put her bravado before all else, and everybody and their mother, <laughs> and attempt to pull this the sword from the iron. So yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Okay. So I am. I am thinking of a number. I promise. I'll be honest. If you roll this number, <laughs> we'll we'll completely derail the scenario, and we'll um, you'll become the new the new king of Britain. But yeah, go ahead and roll your d twenty. Let me know what you get. The question is: Is it actually on the one to twenty range? <laughs> can't i can't give away a clue that essential i rolled a 12 sadly that is not the number okay 
Uh, Dame Tamora, she pulls and she pulls and she struggles. She, I mean, she grunts and you can see the beads of sweat welling up on her forehead. And she's, uh, and before she like strains her back, she, she loosens her, <laughs> lessens her grip and she steps back knowing she's, she's been bested like, like those she's heard, heard about in the past. Yes, indeed. Pookie obviously has a pretty good insight on how Greg's brain worked. Um, <laughs> trickster that he was. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. So, um, Keith, why don't you describe uh, Dame Tamara as everyone's kind of staring at you, attempting <laughs> to pull this sword? <laughs> so, so Dame Tamora is she like a lot of the others assembled around her and probably gawking at her. She's, she's, she's young. She's full of herself. Bravado is, you know, obviously what forced her to, to step up and attempt to pull the sword. She carries herself with, with confidence. Um, she has uh, a, like olived skin she is she she carries herself upright god what's the best way to describe her i don't know she's just she exudes bravado but she's a little bit on the like the the, the reckless side right she's friendly she's not unattractive but not overly attractive she's she just she's there but she is she's there but she's not there if that makes sense as a, as a as a person she blends into a crowd but when she wants to when she needs to stand out she stands out when she needs to blend in, she can blend in. But damn, when she stands out, she she really stands out. Um, that that's her reckless nature. She gets she goes a little over the top, as we just saw. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. you know, and that is that that is who she is. Um, there, there's more to her story, but um, that would have to come out kind of in a bigger story. Yes, it's almost like you all have complex backstories. <laughs> 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 uh so Roz, how about uh Linnell? Linnell, uh she has golden blonde hair and sparkling eyes. However, if you looked behind those eyes, you'd probably see maybe a little hint of fire, not in a good way. And unlike Tamora, Linnell does not want to stand out or be seen. Linnell prefers to stand back and watch. Linnell is on a mission. All right. And uh, who is Pookie playing? Uh, I am playing Cadwallon. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> a barrel-chested barrel uh, a, a young man um, with a rustic accent, who, which I can do almost native since I'm from that region. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow, he's but, uh, cheating. No, I'm just kidding. I know, right? <laughs> Authenticity. Uh, yes, and uh, <laughs> he will look round. He will stride forth and say, "Nothing gained, nothing ventured." So he'll push his way through the crowd uh, and uh, attempt to pull the sword from the uh, from the anvil. Oh, okay. I mean, Roll that d twenty. Good luck, tough guy. As as uh, as uh, Tamora walks past him. <laughs> Back into the crowd. <laughs> and then when she steps back into the crowd, she'll kind of turn to watch the spectacle that she knows it's gonna be. <laughs> He'll approach, right. lay down, lay down his spear, and then uh, to stretch a little, 
reach for the sword and pull. All right. And what did we roll? 16. Oh, sadly, that wasn't it either. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, lastly, Mm -hmm. Scott, who are you playing? I think I have an idea, but... I am playing... There is no uh, Sir on. Whoops Too Far. Uh, yeah, Sir Whoops Too Far. Uh, Sir uh, Evrain, I believe is ah, that yes. how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And um, he is, uh, you know, he's young. He's a 24-year-old young man. Uh, mm-hmm. Broad shoulders, uh, you know, strong. Uh, he's leaning against his uh, one of his spears, watching everyone uh, you know, fatigue themselves out, pulling and straining their muscles against the sword, knowing full well that they're not going to be able to pull it out. And he won't bother. He just chuckles, chuckles to himself, knowing that uh, uh, why would I strain myself on something as pointless as this when there is glory to be had at something real? And that's the tournament. Uh, and he just kind of he's got a you know a kind smile, bright eyes. Uh, but uh, he has a bit of a um, uh, a romantic streak. Uh, you know, his he he likes to you know battle with his sword, and uh, he likes to catch the you know kind eye of uh, of the lady doing so. So uh, glory is not something to be attained just for him, but also to be known amongst the um, you know the the uh, the fellow women in the pageantry uh, around him. But uh, yeah, he, he tends to carry a bit of a uh, uh, has a bit of an ego amongst them. And uh, I would probably assume that someone like that who tends to feel himself to be <clears throat> a bit more seductive and a ladies man tends to find out soon enough that uh, things don't always go <laughs> as as planned. So we shall see what uh, what the fates have for Sir of Rain. And um, so one last thing then, as we're introducing these characters, is uh, looking at your traits. Um, Any trait that is a 16 uh, is what is known as a notable trait. This is something that, for those who may know you at least, um, you are known for. Um, So for example, with Ivrain, being that romantic, like Scott described, uh, yes, indeed, he has a notably lustful side to him. A sixteen, in fact. Oh wow, that's 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 quite a different term than romantic. Uh... Well, <laughs> there's different versions of right, romance. Yes, yes, <laughs> fair enough. Yes, um, but um, but when it comes to uh, traits that are at a sixteen, um, the important thing to know about those is that. With the other traits, you can, it's always your option to roll against a trait. Like, oh, am I going to be merciful or cruel in this situation? Let me roll. And you can decide which one you want to roll first. So you might want to roll merciful first on the hopes that you'd succeed and be merciful. Um, but with a notable trait, uh, first of all, you might be uh, forced to roll against that trait or, um, obligated maybe would be the better word um and you always have to roll that trait first so if it's an opposed you know if it's opposing traits right so like in the, l- the case of lustful if sir Rain was perhaps being tempted um to you know follow a lady down a darkened alley <laughs> you know <laughs> which is clearly not a great idea in, in londinium um you would 
need to roll against your lust pool and obviously there's a very good chance you'll succeed and if that's the case then off you go and only if you fail can you then uh attempt chase and succeed or fail you can then decide what you want to do and act accordingly so right anyway that's how notable traits work so um you know obviously i can't track everybody's notable traits so mainly as a as a player in pendragon um you know it's sort of your responsibility to, to know which ones are are 16s and uh just let me know um if a situation comes up that you feel like that might apply um you know just let me know ducky i got three of them wow I do have, okay i do have a question though uh there are mm-hmm. other there are others on here like um generous honest um are, are these are these just um, bold print noting that they are the higher value between the two traits? Uh, because... uh, yes, the bold okay. print traits. So um, yes, these are now since you're using the the sheets from the starter set, you know um, this would have been explained in the starter set. But um, these are the traits that are important to you uh, based on your religion, based on your belief system. So and that varies based on whether you're Christian, pagan. Uh, something else but right. like for example uh pagan knights um value lustful whereas christian knights value tra- uh, chaste for example oh okay excellent let's see that's everybody all right great so the four of you are the only knights um in the courtyard uh there is a there is a small crowd as there usually is um but it's uh it's you know just commoners and other folk beneath your notice um so you know technically Aqualon is a squire. Aha, uh-huh, that is true. Are you um, are you open about that? Are you you know are you trying to be trying to pass yourself off as a knight? He's not hiding the fact that he's a squire, but he's not making a big deal about it. You know, you have the you have the afternoon. You can do what you like. You can you know go sightseeing or just go back to your tent and you know focus on the tournament tomorrow. Whatever you would like to do. Um, so yes, please talk amongst yourselves. Well, I, I think I will, I mean, if, if everyone's keeping together, I will pony up to them, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, congratulate them on their va- valiant effort of trying to pull the sword from the stone. But uh, even though it was, uh, you know, fruitless, maybe we should go grab something to drink to celebrate, maybe a little ounce of uh, liquid courage before the uh, tournaments begin. Uh, what say you? But now we'll decline. Okay. Libations? Yeah, I mean, before evening meal. <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed. I, you know, so, something to make the the sights before us kind of haze out a little bit, as as horrible as they may be. And you know, maybe the, maybe the maybe the ale here smells better than the stench coming from the streets of Londinium. <laughs> I it is much better in the, um, out in the country than being here. I would say. I think so, mm-hmm. I think anywhere is better than being here, but. I think we are on the cusp of this is a time of change. Something is going to happen and we are going to have a front row seat and I am ready for it. I, But you know what? Before anything happens, I think it's time for that libation. Yes. And then let's let's go. Libations await. Uh, your ladyship, will you not be joining us? Surely it's, um, um, you will only you only need to uh, uh, join this join in moderation. Are you, who are you speaking to? You. I am not your ladyship. I, well, actually, how well do we know each other? We don't. Then you would not know that I am not a lady. Well, no, exactly. I'm, I'm presuming. 
not a female. So that's Excellent. you would not see a female. Oh, okay. Uh, your yeah. lordship, would you not be joining us, even if only moderate? No, and uh, it puzzles me why you would want to dull your senses before a tournament. I, I mean, it's what everyone does. Uh, all the cool kids are doing it. So, I mean, let's, uh, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, sir, when in Londinium, as they may start saying. Um, <laughs> so, but I mean, but don't let us pressure you. Obviously, you Just may have one small to beer won't dull the senses. Well, I choose not to imbibe. Thank you. Oh, and, and that is and that is absolutely your choice. Would you would you care to at least join us and and share and share the table with us? I will agree to do that. All right. Wonderful. Zah. Be the last <laughs> time I say that. <laughs> That's a lie. All right. Yes. So yes, let's 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 find some place that's that serves drink. So if this were a uh more conventional like campaign game, I would then tell Roz to uh check Linnell's temperate trait, meaning put a little check in the checkbox there, uh, because Roz is playing Linnell exactly, you know, appropriate to uh their traits. And so um, you know, you can check something when you critically succeed. So actually, uh, Keith, for Tamura, you critically succeeded at your uh, intrigue. So you would have checked that, mm -hmm. um, you know, or so it can be from a die roll or it could just be the game master that says, hey, check your temperate because that was great. <laughs> you know, got it. OK, cool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's also a nice little clutch because if somebody is just really insistent on being an asshole or something, you'd be like, oh, go ahead and check your proud and your reckless while you're at it, you know, and then, you know, if they're <laughs> fine with that, that's great. It's just they'll see over time their knight becomes more proud and more reckless, you know, so the the right. character changes according to how you play it. I've got enough proud and reckless. I don't need it to get any higher. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. Woo. <laughs> okay. So, um, all right, so very good. So you're all going to find a little public house, a little ale house, and uh, some of you will imbibe and some of you will not. So, will, um, yes. I will only touch the small beer. Of course. It is the uh, safest thing to drink. That is true. <laughs> yes, the last thing you want is food poisoning on the night before the, uh, yeah. the tournament. All right, so... Um, very good. So as you uh, make your way through the crowded streets, um, who has the highest spiritual trait amongst you? That's probably going to be Dame Tamora. I've got a 16. Okay. All right. So, you know, as usual, you're kind of having to shoulder your way through these packed streets, you know, try to keep mud from splashing onto your uh, tunics and whatnot. Uh, but Tamora, you briefly um lock eyes with a strange figure moving through the crowd he's a aged haggard looking man in flowing tattered robes he's got a kind of crazed twinkle in his eye you kind of know almost instinctually that this must be the legendary magician merlin but what he may be doing here is anybody's guess right so merlin has many different reputations uh he is both um admired and reviled so we can see what tamura thinks of him with a role against what we would say trusting sus trusting slash suspicious role my goodness that was a tongue twister um 
So you would roll against your trusting and suspicious traits. Um, now, because Merlin has more of a bad reputation than a good one, um, we're going to apply what's called a reflexive modifier. So there's a minus five on your trusting and a plus five on your suspicious. Does the plus five on your suspicious raise it to 16 or higher? It does not because I've got a I've got tens. Right. So when it comes to Merlin, effectively, your trusting is a five and your suspicious is a 15. So because neither one of those is 16 or higher with the modifier, you can choose which one of those traits to roll first. Uh, I'm going to attempt to roll trusting based okay. on what backstory stuff, why I'm in Londinium. With the reflexive modifier at putting me at five, I rolled a 19. <laughs> okay <laughs> so now you would roll suspicious yep. yeah <laughs> so which that is with the modifier is at a 15 and i rolled a six so i am suspicious. okay you are sus. um okay basically what you've heard about this guy uh possibly i mean this makes a bit of sense <laughs> uh knowing where you're from um is that you know he's the literal spawn of the devil um and it was through his meddling that uh king uther met his doom as i catch sight of him i will nudge as we're walking through the streets i will nudge whoever is to my left i don't know who, which one of you it is um probably linnell i would imagine hey you see See that see that figure over there with the the tattered robes and the, the long scraggly hair? What of him? I think that's Merlin. And you you, <laughs> you do know who Merlin is, don't you? Enlighten me. Well, rumors have it that Merlin is the the spawn of the devil. He is devil incarnate. He, and and she starts getting kind of impassioned about it. Um and her vo <laughs> her volume rises. Um, probably louder than it needs to be. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there's there's rumor that he is he is somehow directly involved uh, or or the cause of uh, of Uther's death. I don't know if this bodes well for the tournament or for anything. That is the one, the only, the Merlin. And then I kind of I kind of quicken my pace. Well, and kind of kind of veer. So if if Merlin's over here, I kind of veer off a little bit this way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do you think that it's wise to spread rumors about one you deem to be as powerful as that to bring down a king? Where I'm from, they're not necessarily rumors. Uh, they are belief and uh, statements of fact. Well, look around you, not where you're from. Well, I bring my beliefs of my of my home with me. So that is, I guess that is the beauty of Londinium or any other large trading, trading city. You know, there are, there are, there are many from many areas, you know, people from many areas with different beliefs and in various cultures all mixing together. Well, leave as you choose and speak as you feel. <laughs> and I kind of I keep kind of like glancing over my shoulder trying to keep an eye on where whatever whatever Merlin's doing or where he's walking uh, if he's doing the the little ice thing yeah yeah is he is he <laughs> uh, is he looking at me what's he doing uh I'm curious Roz um what Linnell might have heard um about Merlin now you have a 
uh, even score on trusting and suspicious as well. So, yeah. So um, why don't we just roll trusting? Because if you succeed on that, you might have heard something else other than what uh, what uh, Tamara is saying. I rolled an 18. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All and right. As well, um, you know, Linnell's not very forthcoming anyway. Yes, very true. Very true. All right. Um, so you, you've uh, caught sight of, you know, a likely looking establishment. Um, you know, the, the board outside, uh, maybe appropriately enough, uh, depicts a, um, um, you know, a, a cat wearing a crown. So perhaps this uh, bodes well for anyone with royal ambitions, you know. Um, but um, for um, Evrain, um, you are distracted for a moment <clears throat> by the uh, sight of a particular lady, a noblewoman. She is immediately visible to everybody because she is one of the few people who is actually uh, mounting a horse here in the crowded streets. Um, her uh, path is being cleared by uh, some you know, sergeants at arms or uh, squires, perhaps, uh, who are, you know, leading the horse uh, through the uh, gap that they're creating. Uh, but she sits uh, regally, unperturbed, as um, she no doubt is returning to her primary residence at the White Tower, uh, the old Roman castle on the banks of the Thames. And it is uh, none other than Lady Morcades of the White Tower. <gasps> My love. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yes. Um, and I, I just kind of say to myself under under my breath that um, uh, she is my passion. She she is why I am here. As as much as it would be in a uh, beyond uh, honor to. To become the the king of the Britons, but just just to have a a moment with Lady uh, Marcatus uh, would um, would go beyond any great deed that I can imagine. So I I, I am here to you know prove to her that I am worthy of her. Um, and then then I look around at my companions and realize that I wasn't saying that with my inside voice. I was saying it out loud. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um well so, so we all have ambitions uh oh uh yes so yeah that's um considering my background that that is uh that is definitely a sight to behold yeah for once you're not being a snarky puss no <laughs> no i am i am well not rot speechless but uh i i've obviously <laughs> said things that uh i care not to say out loud but uh yes i will button it from that point on but where where's where is she she's heading to the tower. Uh, mm -hmm. She is a resident of Londinium. Um, she is indeed. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, oof. I may if she's departing. I, I you know just kind of make note that she's heading that way, and I think I think I may um, I think I may have to follow her. Um, Ooh, you're gonna veer off. I, I I'm gonna try to fight it. All right. I don't think I don't think I can because so so I mean so 
one, I have a passion. I have an adoration uh-huh. for her uh, yep. of 10, uh, yep. but I also have lustful 16. So, right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, the adoration is more about, um, you mm-hmm. know, sort of, um, you know, putting her up on a pedestal, really. Right. You know, like, okay. oh, well, you know, she's. Uh, oh, she's not like other women, you know, yeah, like she, that kind she's, of. She's not like the others. Okay, she's so, not like the others exactly. So I don't want to follow her, but uh, but I. I do. But you might, yeah, yeah. So what? So what we could do there is we could mm-hmm. we could oppose a trait against a passion. So this okay. represents inner conflict, right? So I, I'd say in this case, it might be prudent for you not to like just go ah. plunging off into the streets of a strange metropolis that you don't know anything about. So uh, you would oppose your prudent versus your adoration. Both of those are fairly low values. So in the case that you don't succeed at either, it's will be up to you as the player, uh, but okay. you can choose which one to roll first. Uh, prudent. Mm-hmm. So, ooh, that is, that is an 18. So. Oh, you guys are rolling high today. No, <laughs> yeah, I got to, got to blow off that, that D 20 that we've been using them for. Um, uh, so yeah, so that's, so that, that means that then means that I fall into the reckless aspect. Is that correct? Uh, no, in this case you would roll against adoration. Oh, roll against adoration. Okay. 17. All right. So you failed at both. So yeah, so I know, right. So it it really is, uh, ultimately you, you are not compelled to follow her, Mm -hmm. but if you, if you choose to, I would, I would award you a check in reckless for doing so um but yeah it's really up to you i I think i will shake it off because i i want to keep focus on uh you know on my companions here and just kind of want to i know that she will be watching me at the tournament so that that is enough for me for now but uh you know as she turns the corner you kind of see me slump my broad shoulders slightly (laughs) (laughs) okay all right and so at last we arrive at the end. It's the longest, longest three block walk in the history of Londinium. Uh, <laughs> but there's so much to see is the thing. There's always something going on. So um, so you are pushing your way into the cat and crown tavern or alehouse, I want to call it a tavern. Um uh it is of course packed with visitors, um, knights, squires um hangers on you know and uh and so forth and um so you're you know kind of having to uh push your way through the crowd to find you know good spot to to uh have a seat and um all of a sudden there's a great commotion um you all turn behind you a youth is scrabbling with an old beggar they're uh actually kind of jostling against a couple of you, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, the beggar, like a, like a little, um, polecat, you know, escapes, uh, from the grip of the youth, um, who is clearly, you know, noble in his, uh, dress and, uh, runs out the door, a knight about your age who had been standing, uh, up near the, um, the ale barrels waiting for his turn to fill his tankard um, in the presence of a, of an older, you know, backcountry knight, presumably his father or some other relation. Uh, this young knight strides over, you know, he says, Hey, what's the meaning of all this? You're disturbing these gentle folk. And he gives the youth a little cup on the ear 
And then he he uh, turns to the four of you and he says, my apologies for my squire. He's never been to a big city before and has obviously grown overexcited. So uh, anybody notably forgiving or vengeful? Oh, much vengeful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Roz. Vengeance. I'm even keel. Yeah. 16, baby. All right. All right, let's let's give Linnell a roll against Vengeful and see how she feels about this this kid bumping into her, sending her on her back foot. It's a 19. Dang. Ooh, all right. Uh, go ahead and roll Forgiving. Let's just see. Oh, that's a 14. Okay. So much like um, with Evrain, if you fail both, then you kind of have free reign to act as you wish. Give him, I think, just a dirty look. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so he. Uh, uh, I, oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, I say, uh, it's uh, it, that is all right, uh, 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 sir. Um, we all have to learn somewhere. <laughs> nice. Yes. So um, the youth uh, kind of looks up at all of you, and he, he obviously feels abashed um, that that um, got out of control. Um, but he he says uh, he says, please, Kay. I was just trying to prevent that 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 thief from. From cutting the knight's coin uh, purse, and and he he points at um, at the Sir of Rain actually, and uh, and you look down, and sure enough, your your coin purse is hanging off your belt by a single loop. He had almost managed to uh, cut through both loops before this kid intervened. Oh well, um, considering that circumstances, um, Sir Sir K, it seems here the lad was doing me a a favor. And didn't warrant your your lashing, but uh, I do not want to intrude more than what is necessary. But here you go, and I take out um, uh, a few of my. Uh, is it Demiri? Uh, Denari, yep. Denari, sorry, uh, premise, mm-hmm. sorry. Denari, and and I'll I'll give him you know three three or four coins and uh Ooh, you know cup generous. it in cup it in his hands and thank him and say. Uh, you know, there's um, people such as yourselves who take it upon them, who take it upon them to stop those stealing uh, that uh, things they do not deserve is a worthy trait. You will definitely make a good knight someday. So he uh, he grins up at you as the silver pennies fall into his hand, um, you know, and, and he looks down at them and he says, my, I don't think I've ever seen so much wealth. And um, and Kay says, "Yes, yes. Well, well done, Arthur. Uh, come, we must unload the baggage." I'm just g- just going to go outside and say, uh, "I'm sorry. I've got a spare sword here. You might need it later." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, now there's only one knight of two swords, and he's not in the store yet. Uh, <laughs> and, oh, it, right. and then and then <laughs> to celebrate, can um, just you know, I'm, I'm trying to see if I'm following along directly. He has a very generous trait of of fifteen. So oh. he, he will, you know, he will buy a round of drinks uh, for everyone. Very nice. Yes. Well, check your generous indeed. Okay. Um, well, since since Rain is uh, clearly, um, you know, in, in, in the mood to get everyone well lubricated, uh, those of you who are drinking, uh, go ahead and make a temperate indulgence roll to uh, see if you perhaps overindulge. We've established that Linnell is abstaining, so no need for Linnell to roll. I'm going to roll against Temperate first. Since yeah. I said I was yeah. only going like, to do one small beer, but we'll see. That's right. You never know. 
if, if someone know. else is buying, if someone else is buying, you know. So my tempered is a 10. I rolled okay. a nine. Nice. Okay. So you yeah. stick with your intent. My plan. Great. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Likewise, I've also rolled a nine and my temperance is 13. Brilliant. I rolled against my temperance, uh, temperate, and I rolled a three. Um, so I am, I am just enjoying the, uh, uh, the, the happiness of others. Um, so yeah. Ah, uh, man, I was well, waiting for you to get <laughs> schnockered. <laughs> First I time mean, in sh- history that a, that a bunch of 21 year old jocks go into a bar and don't get <laughs> shit faced, I guess. Right. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I almost feel like I got to do would would have to go against indulgence, but I went with temperate cause you know, yeah. My, yeah my I only, know, as I fine. said, I was, I was going to drink one small beer. Yeah. Hey, you could always fumble that temper, and then we would have had some fun. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> all right, so you all you all settle in. There's a nice little fire going uh, at a in a little central fire pit. You know, smoke uh, collecting up around the rafters. It's very convivial. You know, and on a January day, it's you know a great place to be. I guess the question is. Um, do any of you intend to do any sightseeing after this, or are you just going to head back to camp, basically, in a manner of speaking? Dame Tamora is going to, she will take advantage of being in Londinium before the sun sets, because it's obviously going to set early in the in the evening. Mm-hmm. She She's going to mm-hmm. kind of take in maybe a few sights on the way back to camp. You know, she'll okay. take a circuitous route back. She sure, doesn't know when sure. she may ever get back to Londinium once she leaves. Sure, sure. All right. Um, and Cadwallon would um, uh, like to go and pray for his um, uh, um, prior to the uh, tournament tomorrow. How very spiritual of you. All right. Um, Anybody else? I think of Rain will uh, go with Lady Tamora uh, because uh, he's running the game in a few days and he needs to see how this plays out. So, um, <laughs> how practical of him, <laughs> yes. And at the same time, I'm listening in to find out for when I write reviews. This quick stuff, yes. <laughs> so, nice. but but yes, I, I, I definitely want to go see you know at least a, a site or two. I mean, on top of that, just you know, a little, little quick side note here at sidebar. Um, mm. the, the 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 wonderful map of Elendinium that that comes with the uh starter set. Uh, yes. I did. I did pull the image file, and I'm having it printed out in Wonderful. a larger format at Staples. So I tend to use Ooh, it. So yes, sightseeing. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, I was just about to screen share that very map. Oh, so, excellent! Yes. Yay! Yes, yes, yeah. It's um, yeah, definitely. If 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 you're running this, listeners, and you can manage it, then um, yeah, it, it can be handy to make a little handout for the players or a big one, apparently. All right, so there we are. And um, as you, you can see, just how utterly massive uh, Lindinium is. <laughs> and um, so you are all encamped uh, to the west of the city um, along the River Fleet uh, between Watling Street and Fleet Street. And so this is where the tournament grounds have been demarcated. This is uh, where your tents have been erected. Um, you can see the old Roman walls standing and um, just for Ivrain's uh, reference, the white tower is the one marked P on the map. Okay. 
Um, and of course, you had all visited St. Paul's G on the map. Um, and you're somewhere in that vicinity. Sorry, Roz, did you say what Linnell's doing? Linnell is going to go back to camp, find Booth, and tend to my weapons. Perfect. All right. And then we've got Tamura heading off on her own, it sounds like. So that's always exciting. And then Ivrain and Cadwallon sort of sightseeing together. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So um, I will go ahead and roll. Like all GMs, I have a sadistic side and I enjoy <laughs> seeing what kind of trouble you get into. Um, I'll say that um, just as a warning, I, I actually do... This is documented. I do have a um, a weird sort of um, curse laid upon me that if I'm ever rolling on a random city event table and there's uh -huh. any chance of someone getting a chamber pot emptied onto their head, <laughs> I tend to roll that. So this, consider yourselves <laughs> fairly warned. Uh, it's happened far more often than you would think, but um, David, I think I would suggest. I think I speak for all of us. That's what we're here for. Yeah, um, I'm here for the yeah. chamber pot. <laughs> um, so I, I reckon you've just got one table with six entries all labeled chamber, chamber pot. Yeah, exactly. It's like this pulling the sword out of the anvil. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, let's roll for Ivrain and Cadwallon first. Okay. Oh, no. Well, this isn't the chamber pot, but I did kind of weirdly um, call this earlier. You know, you, you take in the sights, it's it's a, um, you know, it, it's quite overwhelming. And, you know, the, the beer isn't sitting too well. So as you approach uh, Ludgate, um, you know, there's there's the street vendors with their little market stalls. And there's some guy, you know, hawking, um, you know, rat on a stick, essentially, right? You know, mystery meat. And, um, you know, you give in against your better judgment. You both treat yourselves to some greasy street food and it goes about as well as you might expect. So unfortunately, tomorrow you will both have a penalty to your constitution for this tournament. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, so for you got brain, gut. <laughs> you are, you're going to be at a minus three to your constitution. Um, and for Cadwallon, just a minus one. It, it sat a little better for you. <laughs> blub, 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 blub. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, you, you might want to stand uh, upwind for me tomorrow. Um, this is not sitting well. <laughs> it's good that your tent is right. within walking distance of the River Fleet. That's all I'm saying. Punch those cheeks tight. <laughs> Um, so just so you know, um, your constitution helps determine your hit points. So this also um, oh, would reduce okay. your hit points accordingly. All right. And for Tamura, let's see what we got for Tamura lined up here. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so you're taking this sort of circuitous route and, um, you know, you're, you find yourself kind of out in the, uh, some of the less built over parts of the city out near uh, Aldersgate on the north end of town. And um, there's a lot of like kind of larger, like there's some tanneries here and just like kind of, you know, it's it's the industrial part of town, if you okay. will. And, um, you know, as often happens, there's some dogs off leash out of their enclosure and they catch sight of you and just take off after you. And... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> and so you do manage to escape unharmed, um, but unfortunately, your your uh, fine tunic, you know, the best your best tunic that you you brought with you to Londinium, gets uh, ripped up a bit at the hems, and um, so this is actually reducing your appeal by two points until such time as you can acquire new threads. Uh, which this... traditionally is <laughs> traditionally is only handed out by your lord at Yuletide. So you got a whole oh. year to wait. Basically. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Bollocks <laughs> will not stand. I mean, I have to look my best for uh, Lady Mercada's. Uh, oh. Well, good thing it's me and not you. <laughs> yeah, that, I was going to say. Wait a minute. Oh, oh, I thought. Oh, it's you. I thought it was both. No, of no, us. it's okay. me. It's Lady Tamora. Oh. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you should <laughs> you fine. should you should get that fixed. It looks horrid. Um, <laughs> yeah. So thus you can avoid being a bit rough. <laughs> so uh so yeah, in case you're wondering, there is a very generous uh, 35% chance that you'll get a good outcome from that table and everything else is um is crushing. Yep. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah knights uh knights and big cities don't get along that's why arthur's just like screw it i'm gonna build my own city <laughs> and it'll be a lot nicer all right so um so yeah so eventually in one way or another you all make your way back to your your tents and prepare for the next day all right so as i mentioned uh the um Tournament field has been staked out um, between Newgate and Ludgate with Watling Street and Fleet Street marking the northern and southern boundaries. Um, so in the morning, as the sun is, is coming up and chasing away the, the freezing morning fog, um, you are all assembling sort of on the on the edge of the pitch, as it were. Um, you have those of you with squires have your squires. Uh, you've got your best horse. You know, you're ready to go. You're fully armored, um, which uh, that's another thing with Pendragon, actually, is like as you if you were to play through the campaign timeline, the uh, technology and the fashions and everything else sort of advances, um, you know, in in an appropriate ratio. Uh, so it's kind of like the, the Middle Ages on, on fast forward. So um, since this is, you know, obviously at the beginning of Arthur's um, time. It's kind of equivalent to like the late 12th century. So your tunics are long, um, well tailored, cut at the at the shoulders. Fashion for men is is uh, short hair, clean shaven. Um, you know, women um, tend to wear their hair very long and in very long braids, um, or else you know, like the, the headgear, head headpieces, hats, etc., are not like super elaborate there are wimples you know for the for the matrons and the nuns and so forth but uh but for the women right now it's all about the braid and um and then kind of a little um you know girdle or or you know sort of uh midsection uh piece to kind of uh you know provide some support and then just a, a nice long uh flowing dress um with so what you is we is as, as armored knights, we've not reached the chrome period. That's correct. So we're not we're not yet in John Borman's Excalibur era. Um <laughs> no no sparkles. I mean that's you know, no no, no shininess, no, no oh, Well, your oh, wow. your helmets, your helmets certainly shine. Um <laughs> so yeah, so right now you're wearing uh male armor, 
it's sufficiently, you know, protective. It, you know, you've got, uh, you know, of course, your 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 uh, hauberk to protect your torso and uh, upper limbs, and then, you know, there's sort of variations on on that armor. Like some has more mail than others, you know. Um, helmets tend to be open-faced or with the cross guard. Um, some helmets do have like kind of a face piece, but um, that's sort of a new thing. And usually you only see that with the rich knights. And uh, and yeah, your shields are kite shields. So these are big, bulky, teardrop-shaped uh, shields that are really at their best when you're charging with a lance. And um, any other activity that you're doing from horseback is going to be uh, very awkward. Um, so kite shields are easiest to wield on foot, actually, ironically enough. And, um, you know, over time, of course, shields get smaller so that they're less, they get less in your way when you're actually doing what you're supposed to do as a knight. But uh, for right now, that's just the burden you have to carry as knights. So This too, we shall um, overcome. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Heraldry also at this time is is sort of in its infancy. There are no college of there's no college of heralds or anything. It's not official. It's just basically, hey, I came up with this cool design and I painted it on my shield. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you know the the heraldry on your character sheets is basically like essentially what what you know you decided on as you know being something that you would want to uh, represent. Some, some you know, knights um, are handing off their heraldry to their heirs, you know, um, to carry on. And of course, obviously that will become more, more common over time. But um, yeah, at this time it's, it's still rel relatively informal and relatively simple. There's not a lot of like quartered arms and that kind of thing, you know. You are on the tournament grounds and so basically, uh, this is a tournament melee, which means that it is run uh, much like a battle. Um, you know, in the starter set, this basically functions as a tutorial for the battle system, uh, which, you know, spoiler alert, does show up later, <laughs> you know, in the, <laughs> in the campaign. So this kind of sets that up. Uh, but for now, you know, it, it'll give us a chance to take the combat rules for a little spin, have a little bit of fun with that in a relatively safe environment. But yes, yeah, so um, upon showing up, uh, you see that there are various like tournament marshals and officials and they're sort of like dividing people out into teams, you know, and there's the red team and the blue team. And so, you know, the four of you are sort of, you know, all pushed in one direction. You end up on the blue team. So you're all handed a, a blue sash that you can tie around your, your arm uh so that people can see easily which team you're on as you're all doing that and just kind of going over your your final checks and whatnot uh you can all make awareness rolls failed okay Roz failed so um, who all succeeded i did i failed failed too okay yeah i, I passed with, with a four with a four and how did um catwallon do i failed oh failed oh, okay wow all right so just the one so, uh, so yeah, tomorrow you're you're briefly um, distracted by um, some shouting nearby um, the night, and you recognize it's that it's that night that you you met the day before in the in the alehouse, uh, Sir Kay, and he's okay. <laughs> once again yelling at his squire something about a sword. Um, I, I just kind of chuckle. I did offer. I just kind of chuckle. I'm. And all I can think is, God, this poor kid. I mean, I, I remember being a squire and being 
chastised by my knight. So, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I look to my squire at the same time and like, just shake my head. Yeah, yeah. It's like you better remember have remembered that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, so battles are fought in turns. Um, a turn represents about an hour of fighting, but we sort of break that down to what we call an encounter. Which just represents kind of the uh, the most consequential part of that of that hour. Okay. Um, you're going to all ride together in the same unit. It's called a conroy, and this is you know usually five to fifteen knights plus squires. And um, you have actually ended up in the conroy uh, due to Evrain's status as a mercenary knight in the employ of King Leodegrance of the Kingdom of Cameliard. Uh, mm-hmm. You have ended up in. Uh, King Leonogrance's Conroy. Excellent. Um, There's no no better place to be. <laughs> yes, indeed. So um, so we track something called morale, and that basically just represents your Conroy's collective, um, you know, interest and capacity to continue fighting. And um, it's essentially, you know, we abstract it out by just asking each one of you what passion are you really fighting for? Like, like what, what, you know, what has brought you here, you know, and that, um, that can include honor, of course, uh, but you could be doing it for the love of your family or your, you know, fealty, your adoration, your devotion, what have you. Dame Tamora is doing it for the passion of uh, her homage to um, Lady Vivian. Okay. And what's the value of that passion? uh 15 15 yeah because that is what brought her here right okay um how about Evrain? upon seeing uh lady uh, uh morcadas morcadis mm-hmm. um his current reason for being uh reason for the season is his adoration for her he he is there to sh- prove to her that uh, uh he is worth her her adoration okay Excellent. And that's a 10, I believe, right? Yeah, it is a 10. All right. How about Cadwallon? Uh, would be his family, which is a 15. Nice. And Linnell? Linnell is vacillating between honor and station. And station, just for feeling that loss of her mm. former life. Mm-hmm. And again, knowing what mission she's on. Okay. And what's your station value? It's 15. And 15, my honor's great. my honor's fifteen as well. Okay, all right. So basically, we take the average of uh, of those, and I do some quick math here with the uh, let's see, carry the one, etc. Okay, yeah, wow. <laughs> all right, so that comes out to eleven. So your morale is eleven. So that gives you an idea. It's on a one to twenty scale. It just kind of gives you an idea, of, at the very least, of like kind of how pumped up you guys are. You know, so. You're moderately pumped. Um, all right. Insider tip. If you had all selected the same val- uh, passion, you would have got added plus five to that score. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, but your morale also determines um, like who you're able to engage on the field. You know, there's minimum morale scores for certain encounters you lose morale when you fight in encounters and then you gain it back with, you know, victories on the field and so forth. Okay. All right. Um, so like I say, there are encounters, then there are opportunities. And these are like those sort of 
lightning strikes moments on the battlefield where suddenly, you know, you see, uh, you know, the combatants part and, oh, there's the king, the enemy king, we can go after him or, you know, or, you know, oh, we can go right off and raid the baggage train or what have you, you know. Um, so for uh, the purposes of this tournament, there's going to be two possible encounters and one possible opportunity. So uh, I would just ask everyone to roll their battle skill. And all I need to know is whether you succeed or critically succeed. Failures or fumbles don't penalize in any way. Okay. Fail. Battle okay. skill. Ooh. Combat skills. Or uh, succeeds. Okay. Yeah. So does Cuddle. So I got. I do have a question. Is, is the battle yep. skill so low just because of our age? Yes. Okay. So my my battle skill is five, and I rolled a twenty. Oh wow. Okay. Well, good time to fumble when there's no, you know, <laughs> when there's no, oh, there's no oh, thank God. Okay. <clears throat> Mine's an eight, and I rolled a six. So. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Mine five, and I rolled a four. Okay. okay. All right. So um, as you um, you know ride out onto the field to the uh, fanfare of trumpets, you line up your horses. Uh, you know, King Leodegrance, obviously, in the center. You're sort of watching him for the signal, you know. And uh, you can see across the field is a, a, another Conroy of Knights. These are uh, Knights of the North who've come all this way down from the Northern Kingdoms. Um, you know, obviously, their ambition driving them on. Uh, perhaps one of them will become High King. And... Um, and so um, the default encounter that I am setting is with knights from the kingdom of Gore. That uh, sounds very intimidating, but it's spelled G-O-R-R-E. And um, these are knights. Um, I mean, they, they look like worthy opponents, you know, um, stern men. Um, but uh, their armor is a bit out of date, you know, perhaps... Perhaps there are more glorious opponents to find. So um, those of you who succeeded uh, at your battle rolls, um, would you like to try and change that encounter? Perhaps fight someone worthier? I would. Okay. Uh, yes. All right. So we had a six. And what? And uh, Pookie, what did you roll? I rolled a four. A four. Okay. So I'm going to roll against the battle's intensity. And... For Tamura, I beat your roll, and uh, for um, Cadwallon, I beat yours as well. So, okay. in that case, uh, the encounter stays the same. You'll be fighting these Knights of Gore, and um, and then obviously, if someone had critically succeeded, that would have um, you know activated the opportunity uh, card. So, uh, but since that didn't happen, we'll be going with the default encounter, Knights of Gore. All right, so all right, so you're all lined up. You've got your lances in hand. Your shields are seated. Your chargers are stamping the ground and whinnying with anticipation. Uh, adrenaline is pumping, even though you're, you know, you know you're charging. Your the the lances all just have blunted tips. You know, um, chances of getting impaled much reduced. Uh, but nevertheless, you know. Um, this is what this is what you do as knights. This is why you're here. So, um, so before we make this charge, uh, which, uh, as the skill name indicates, it uses the charge skill. 
Um, would anyone care to impassion the charge skill with a passion? Uh, uh, yes. Okay. So for Cadwallon, now the, you know, never mind about the morale score. That was just to, uh, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to use that passion necessarily, but you do have to justify why you would be rolling against the passion you wish to roll against. But, um, I'm doing it. I'm going to keep with family, which is okay. 15, yep. because I, um, I am I am ambi ambitious in my father's name and in my family name, uh, wanting to um, prove myself on the tournament uh, to acquire uh, a status of knighthood. I like it. So, Scott, that's, uh, you know, when you're running this, um, it's mm. really kind of up to you, you know, like how much of a hard ass you want to be or, you know, or not. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's and it's really there just to kind of prevent, you know. It's like some players will try and just wheedle anything out that they can. You yeah. know, like, well, I want to roll against my hospitality because I like <laughs> home. Or, you know, or like, so. yeah. Keep, keep <laughs> it's, it it's, even and, ground and keep it on theme. Yeah. Yeah. Ex, ex, keep it on theme. Exactly. That. Yeah. And I, I like Pookie's uh, justification. So sounds good to me. Go ahead and roll okay. against your love family. Oh, this is going to go bad. I rolled a 19. I rolled a 19. Oh, 19. Oh, Okay. All right. You're okay. You're okay. Um, so, uh, so unlike in earlier editions of Pendragon, if you fail uh, your passion roll, uh, there's no penalty. So um, that's fine. It's a fumble, of course. That's a whole different story. Um, so there is always a little bit of a risk when you when you try to make a passion roll. Um, how about anybody else? Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I think. Um of rain um he wants to use hospitality no i'm kidding uh, <laughs> um his uh how about um you know he's he's representing uh, uh king uh, uh is it uh little grants um grants, I, yeah. okay and you know he has a passion of a fealty uh so would would it be on on themes to not want to embarrass himself in front of his oh lawyer? very much so yeah i mean you're the you know person that you've sworn yourself to for this year is present. Obviously, you want to make a good impression. Yeah, five, and my fealty is nice. Okay. All right, so you will have a plus five to your charge skill for this encounter. Excellent. Okay, cool. Anyone I'm gonna, else? Uh, Roz, did you want to do it? You say they they look kind of red ragtag. Uh huh. But I then I think <laughs> Linnell would feel just horrible and disgrace so i might try honor i would hate to lose to these people i love that that's perfect okay have a 15 and i rolled a 10 all right so you will also have a plus five to your charge i was gonna impassion my honor as well just in, in a similar vein um with having traits a proud at 16 and a valorous at 16 I, I cannot lose to to a ragtag scraggly group of unworthy opponents. So yeah, they're they're from beyond the wall, like yeah. Kingdom of Gore. That's that's north of the wall. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was cut in the same vein as uh, Linnell. That's that's where I was headed. So okay. Yeah, uh, and I failed. I rolled a mine's a fifteen. I rolled a seventeen. So okay, no nope. problem. Ooh. All right. So a couple of you fired up and mm -hmm. the rest of you are merely toasty. <laughs> so 
Um, all right. So you uh, you begin to uh, spur your horses forward, uh, initially into a trot, and then a canter, and then a gallop as your lances come down and your shields come up and your opponents are hurtling towards you. And the great crash of the charge as it meets and we will find out what happens here. So, the way combat works is an opposed role, but instead of earlier where you'd be opposing against yourself, now you're opposing against me. So, <laughs> I'm like the guy in the dunking chair. See if you can dunk me. All right. So, <laughs> um, all right. So, I'll just um, let's see. I'll just go in order of the windows here on my Zoom. So, we'll start with Shimura. So tomorrow, go ahead and roll against your charge. All right. My value is a 12, and I rolled a 6. All right. So uh, in an opposed roll, we we look at who succeeds, but we also look at what you roll, right? Because, again, the higher you can get without going over is always preferable. So okay. you rolled a 6, which is a success. However, I rolled a 10, which is also a success, and beats your 6. So let's see here. Um, we are rolling charge damage. Now, the way it works with a rebated lance is I'm going to roll the full damage, but that's only going to apply to the knockdown. And then um, and then we have the damage after that to see if any of it actually gets through your armor. So a charger does 6d6 damage. And so we tally <laughs> that up really quickly. And that comes out to 22. What is Tamura's size, please? Uh, Tamura's size is 14. Okay, so it is higher than her size, but not uh, twice her size. So there is a potential for a knockdown here. So what you're going to do is roll against your dexterity. Okay, my dexterity is 12. I rolled an 18. Oh, all right. So down goes Tamura. I am going ass over tea charge. kettle. That's right. <laughs> All right. And so the uh, bruising from your fall costs you three hit points. Ouch. All right. So next up is Linnell. Am I rolling at a minus? Uh, is this at a minus two? No. Uh, so good question. So when you are charging, when you're using your charge skill, that's the only time that your kite shield does not impede you. Okay. Yeah. So with the plus five... My charge value is 15, so we should do crappy Great. eight. <laughs> oh, same here. Uh, as for tomorrow, I will a 13, which succeeds and beats your eight. All right. Well, let's see if Linnell has better luck. I'm seeing fewer sixes, so that's we're off to a good start. Um, five, that's a 13, 16, uh, 19. Um, obviously, that's... More than her size, but I doubt that's more than twice her size. Almost. Almost. Size, okay. Size that's 10. True. Size she 10. is petite. She is petite. Oh, wow. um, okay, roll your dexterity, please. That's a 12, and I rolled an 8. Okay, great. So, <laughs> in spite of her uh, small frame, uh, Linnell manages to keep her seat in the saddle. Oh, I got a new seat. Right. It just happens to be in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> oh and by the way i'm kind of i just realized i was doing the the armor math in my head not really telling you all what i was doing so uh so like for i'll backtrack to tomorrow so that was uh 22 points i believe right 
And so if we have that, that becomes 11. Tamura has um, 10 points of armor, but because you succeeded on your roll, you also get your shield protection, which is six points. So effectively you had 16 points of armor and with 11 points of damage, you're fine. Okay. And um, same goes for Linnell. Um, you know, half of uh, half of 19 isn't even enough to get through your armor. Do I take the three points of bruising from... Yes, that you do take because that's falling damage and falling damage okay. ignores armor because you bounce around regardless, right? Gotcha. That's what I thought. Okay, next I have uh, Evrain. Okay, so my uh, my charge is 15 and then with my success, I would make it 20. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's correct. Okay. So you cannot right. fail. Right. I rolled a six. You can roll low, however. All yes. right. <laughs> yes. I, I love that you were rolling super high uh, yeah. right up until you got into combat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it is it is um, um, <laughs> it is a brain's lucky day because I just fumbled my roll. Eudemus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, I don't I don't think the charge fumble table is in the quick start, but I'm going to roll it anyway. So, um, okay, so your opponent, uh, he nearly shatters his lance on your shield and and gets a face full of flying splinters, okay? Um, he does not manage to pole vault himself out of his saddle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can go ahead and roll your charger or your, your horse's um, damage. I think you have a charger. Uh, let's see here. I have a warhorse charger. Yes. Okay. okay. So I rolled the 66 damage. Is that what I'm yep, looking at? Yep. Okay. That's correct. 20, 21, 23. Wow. Okay. So let's see. What's their sign? Oh yeah. These are beefy boys. So dex roll. Wow. Just not his lucky day. Uh, <laughs> rolled a 19. So at least he didn't fumble his, his dex roll. <laughs> But this poor guy, he's got splinters in his face. He's just been dismounted. Oh, boy. Ouch. Yeah, he's he's hurting. All right. So you have unseated your opponents. Well done. Well done, Sir Rain. Well, you are a seasoned mercenary after all. So, all right. And lastly, we have Kevwallen. Okay. Okay. I have rolled a 14. All right. 14 against my... Four. So you win and may roll your horse damage. Okay, it's 5d6, 5 6 eight dice. So that's 17. Okay, uh, 19. 19. Wow, okay. This guy that rolls well. I rolled a 19 again. So down he goes too. So in what is possibly Cadwallan's first crossing of lances with an enemy knight. You have unseated mm. your opponent. Well, that's right. He's oh. a, uh, he's a, he's a squire. Oh. An esquire, technically, since he's right. uh, mm. he aged out of squiredom without becoming a knight. So, not a lawyer. <laughs> um, it predates lawyers. Predates the lawyers. It's so funny to me that like that term sort of morphed, you know. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> changed from being, you, uh, yeah. You see so few lawyers these days on horseback with lances. Much, much to our loss, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, um, 
And so the way it works here is, um, let's see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's see. Who was, we, we had uh, Tamura was the only one unseated, right? Yes, I believe that's okay. correct. All right. So if you are unseated, you are considered captured. Um, and the knight who unseated you uh, will lead you back to an area called the Reset, either themselves or they'll send their squire, or they can even signal a uh, an official called a kipper. But... I will not hang my head in shame, though. <laughs> no, well no, it was, it was well fought. It was well fought. All right. Uh, let's see here. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... In a normal battle, from turn to turn, you choose your posture. Uh, you can be valorous, you can be reckless, you can be prudent, you can even be cowardly if you just really don't want to be there. Um, by default, if you're doing, if you're uh, starting the encounter with a mounted charge, like you all did, you are considered to be in valorous posture. So that means you're going to be fighting two uh, combat rounds. So that was the first combat round. Tamura is out uh, along with her knights. Cadwallon and Vrain both unseated your opponents. Do you want to lead those knights back to the reset or send your squire to do it? I, I would say it would be within his traits to take the uh, take the lead rather than the squire. Sure. You do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how about uh, Cadwallon? Well, do you have a squire? I forget. <laughs> I, I, he has no squire. Yes. Okay, so you have no choice. All right, so that really just leaves Linnell uh, fighting here. You have you executed your charge, and the person contacted you and didn't knock you off your horse. So basically, you can continue fighting with your lance, but you would switch to the spear skill. Um, or you can throw down your lance and draw your sword. I would throw down my lance and draw my sword. Okay, so also just keep in mind that the passion bonus only applied to the charge skill. So we're just using our unmodified sword. Well, actually, it is modified because it's fighting with a kite shield, right? So it's a minus two, minus two. to your sword skill. And uh, so is your opponent. Now, he is actually going to, he's an honorable chap. He's going to withhold his blows. So that means not only is his sword blunted, but he's not hitting you with his full force. Uh, would you like to also pay him that courtesy? I shall. All right. So that would get you a check to your honor. And we'll see how we do on this sword versus sword contest. Okay. I rolled a 15. So that's a fail. All right. Um, <laughs> so you're you're sort of wheeling your horses around, you know, trying to, you know, sort of swinging at each other, trying to trying to make contact. And it's, you know, it's just, it's just a, a mess. I mean, it's everywhere. It's just total chaos. Right. And so you're, you're kind of glancing off of his, off of his shield and, you know, you're not really landing any decisive blows, but at, at one point um, he tries to um, take a swing at you sort of overbalances and watches in horror as his um, sword just like bounces out of his grip and, you know, disappears under the hoofs of the horses um, because I rolled a fumble. So <laughs> Um, nice. but uh fortunately you did not land any blows so you know he got away with that at least um <clears throat> so normally this would be the point perhaps where you know he would call for a squire to bring him an extra weapon or what have you um but 
as uh, you know, the rest of you are either leading your prisoners back or being led back as prisoner. Um, all of you become aware of some kind of uh, tumult breaking out on the sidelines. Um, you can all once again make awareness rolls. Fast this time. Fumbled. I rolled a twenty. Oh. <laughs> okay. No dice for me. Fourteen. All right. How about eighteen? Eighteen. All right. So now. Weirdly enough, uh, you're the one person left on the field, but maybe that's, you know, you're closer to where this is happening. Um, you hear you hear a youth at the edge of the field near uh, Fleet Street, um, like shouting something uh, very excitedly. And there's a lot of like activity, like the, the tournament officials are, are running around and something's going on, clearly. And uh, and then suddenly... The trumpet fanfare to signal the end of the melee is being blown. This is, you know, well before when it was supposed to be wrapped up. Um, Knights are reining in their horses, looking around. Everyone's quite confused. And then you see this youth once again yelling, the sword, the sword. And uh, you see him pointing frantically back towards the city, back towards St. Paul's. Back towards the location of a certain sword. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still mounted, yes. You are. Indeed. And I, and, oh, and so am I. I okay. shall ride in that direction. <laughs> Indeed. I am not mounted. Um, you are not Oops. mounted. Now, you can make a dex roll to perform what's called the leap, where you do the cowboy thing of just like leaping over the rump <laughs> of your horse and landing. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Oh, I'm totally going to do it. <laughs> Because I remember doing it when um, uh, when I was knighted. Yes, indeed. Uh, my dex is 12. I rolled an 8. Nice. All right. So, you know, your horse is, is being led as well. And, you know, you're like, ha-ha, you know, up under the, up under the saddle. Yeah! Um, <laughs> all right. I assume everybody's taking off at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, everyone? I know why yeah. I'm here. Yes. <laughs> That's right. So everyone roll horsemanship. I'm going to say for Tamura, even though you succeeded on your leap, you didn't critically succeed. So you'll be at a minus five on your horsemanship. Okay, fine. All right. I uh, don't. Yeah, where it. is it? Where's uh, horsemanship? It, it's going to be under combat skills. Found it. Yeah, combat found skills. it. So thanks to my minus five, which drops my horsemanship from a 15 to a 10, I rolled uh-huh. a 10, which means I got a crit. Love it. Yes. <laughs> that does happen. Thanks. You're welcome. So basically, you turn up doing dressage moves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just overtaking everybody. Like, just like, no. All right. And uh, Roz, did you say you failed? No, I rolled a 14. Oh. My horsemanship's a 15. A 15. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Any, did anybody fail? Nope. Everyone I succeeded. Nope. Cool. Good. Okay, so uh, so yeah, so Tamura, you you managed to um, leap your horse over uh, like an intervening little uh, you know wooden um, fence that had been erected to mark the the edge of the of the field, and uh, you very quickly make up lost ground and are shortly riding at the side of King Leodograns himself. Um, the rest of you are right behind. You know, nobody nobody right. fell too far back. Okay, good. Um, yeah. So let's see. Uh, so basically everybody, everybody is um, 
uh, headed for uh, Ludgate. And so it's creating this uh, tremendous uh, traffic jam um, as everyone tries to, um, you know, force their way through. It's a crushing mass um, and uh, everyone trying to go all at once. Uh, so your headway slows down uh, considerably as you as you move into this bottleneck through the gatehouse, which is just amplifying the shouting and the screaming and like, you know, like knights are like panicking, you know, because they don't know what's going on and they want to, you know, their, their adrenaline's already pumping from the melee and they're desperate to see, be the first to see what's going on. And now, you know, like a cork, you all go shooting out the other end of the gatehouse and, uh, you know, you hear a tremendous crashing noise as one one night, you know, uh, crashes into a, a, a street vendor's, um, you know, uh, lean to, and then, you know, the screams of a man being trampled somewhere behind you, you know, um, but it's beginning to open up, and you know, up ahead is is St. Paul's looming into your vision, and um, and then the grassy courtyard beyond. And um, yeah, more knights are pouring in behind, but you've gotten a pretty good uh, position. In fact, for Tamura, you are among the first to enter the courtyard, everybody earning Fantastic. some glory. Yes. And um, the rest of you are not far behind. And um, and yeah, so so you all have relatively front row seats uh, alongside Leona Grants. And, uh, you know, knights behind you are obliged to stand in their uh, stirrups and crane their necks. Um, but all of you see a familiar squire. Um, that, that young lad, young, you know, the, the likely boy. And he's um, standing there near the stone, um, watching everyone as they're, as they're filing in. And... Um, the sword is uh, stuck in the anvil, and he just, he looks awfully confused um, by all this sudden attention. So uh, before we move on to the thrilling conclusion, we'll take a quick break. All right. Well, we are all back, ready to go. David, take us away to the conclusion of this thing. Indeed. So um, there, in addition to all the knights, uh, there are a bunch of commoners. There, you know, the whole crowd is assembled, you know, people pouring in. Um, anyone who has religion pagan can roll against that. Uh, I think that's going to be me. All right. Yeah. Oh, I do too. Nice. I just have uh, religion any. <laughs> well, that's, um, that's what I have on the back, but on the front part of my character sheet religion is pagan mm -hmm. so okay. but i failed yeah that that that's the thing is um yeah it's, it's oh, yeah. fill in the blank with the religion it says yeah, yeah. yep uh, yep i failed too two fails okay and those of you who are christian can roll against your religion skill i critted i said a crit nice i, I rolled a uh, five Good job. Excellent. Okay, so um, so for Linnell, um, you find yourself not too far away from uh, none other than the Archbishop of Britain, uh, Archbishop Dubricus. Um, he's looking very serious. It looks like he's emerged from inside the cathedral, um, and he's watching 
the knights. He's looking at the squire. He's very curious what's going on. Um, he catches your eye, and um, and then you both, you know, resume um, taking in the scene. Um, so there is this uh, trem- tremendous um, chattering, shouting babble. Uh, you know, he drew the sword. Who did? That lad there. Him? Impossible. Only the king of Britain could pull the sword. Um, and then you see a very um, rough and tough looking knight. Um, his helmet actually, you know, is a little conical um steel helmet but it's got like a gold crown bolted to the uh the rim of the helmet um he has a uh rather magnificent salt and pepper beard and um mm-hmm. and um you know uh you can see even beneath his armor and padding and everything else i mean this guy is obviously um a a bear essentially um he jumps down you you i don't even you don't even need recognized roles to see that this is king lot of lothian he's one of the most powerful kings of of britain and uh and he goes this thing is going to move it'll move for me and he lays his hand upon the sword grip and he pulls at it and his knights are like you could do it sire you could do it you know and and then he's he's like putting two hands to it and he's pulling and you can you know you can see the the muscles under his armor bulging out but um but then his hands you know slip and he staggers backwards and then shout from the crowd let the boy try and another's like yes let the boy try and um you see a an, an older knight um you recognize him from the ale house yesterday um he was with the squire he was sir Kay's father and he nods and the youth lays one hand upon the sword and pulls it from the stone without any trouble whatsoever. The collective gasp goes up from the crowd and he slides it back into place. Not what? (laughs) 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 And so, um, and so then, then you see another uh, regal knight. This is uh, King Urien's of Gore. You were fighting Knights of Gore earlier, you'll recall. And uh, like Lot before him, he he dismounts and he says, well, if it's that easy, and he goes over and he gives it a gives it a, a, a good hard pull. He tries to like get his elbows crooked under the hilt, you know, he just tries everything. And uh, it's it, it doesn't budge. And um, the lad once again steps forward, pulls it free effortlessly. And this time he he just holds it in his hand and looks around with a sort of sheepish expression on his face, like maybe he did something wrong. But then someone shouts, he's the king! And Leander uh, Grants, who's near you, and uh, by the way, who I always cast as Patrick Stewart, so you can picture that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> he says, the boy drew the sword! The boy is the king! So what do you yes. all think of this? Oh, I mean, for for me, it, it is, you know, it it is a field day. Not only does my liege you know, swear, swear fealty to the, the new king of, uh, uh, of the Britons. But, uh, this lad who saved a sneak thief from stealing my coins, yeah. uh, turned out to be, uh, what I said he would be a, a, a potential to be a just and noble knight. So yes, he, he is most definitely my king as far as I'm concerned. Although Does anyone I, feel otherwise, I guess would be the question. Um, but, um, 
Tamora, Tamora's got mixed emotions, like, you know, mixed, mixed feelings. Like she's, she, she's here because, you know, Lady Vivian uh, knows that, you know, the world is about to change and she wanted Tamora, uh, Dame Tamora to be like, have a front row seat and, and witness it. But at mm. the same time, you know, a, a single king of of Britain was to be decided by this tournament. Obviously, that's why she was here to be part of that tournament and to help. Are you saying rules are rules? Well, <laughs> uh, rules are rules, but at the same time, you know, you know, she has her own personal motto: is proof is in the you know proof is in deeds, oh, and two well seasoned knights and herself cannot pull that sword from the from the anvil but the squire you know can you know he was able to pull it not once but twice and maybe thrice from from the anvil so <laughs> she's she's got some conflicting emotions it's not that she's a disbeliever or anything it's just it's it's a lot to take in for her but you know she's knowing what the what it represents and the uh, the legends behind it, behind the stone, the sword and the in the stone. Yeah, it's 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 a lot to take in, but she is she's basically in the same camp as um everybody else. Uh to Cadwallon looks upon this as as um as a sign of things to come. If if a young squire can can uh, be raised to uh the uh, uh to the throne, then there is hope for um him being knighted i mean i need a squire another squire <laughs> yeah you want to stay there you want to stay in that position mine might be up for a, a new hire considering he had to clean out my um my chamber pot last night uh, oh, that, neg that negative three constitution <laughs> didn't come from anywhere uh, that, uh so. yeah mm, was explosive so, sorry go on <laughs> how uh, about linnell how's linnell feel about all this linnell look on this and not necessarily with indifference but again in her heart this was not something that she aspired to she knew she mm. was never going to pull the sword out and be king <laughs> right she has other things to do indeed so um <clears throat> so yes as, as these are um thoughts are passing through your through your uh, respective heads um uh, King Lot draws his own um, sword, his own rebated sword, keep in mind, and strides towards the boy. His guards dismount a few steps behind him. Um, Lot looks rather murderous. Uh, does anyone want to do anything? Uh, no, definitely. Mm. <laughs> I love it. All right. So even yeah. though you're just kind of observing, you're, you're also just like, uh, no, you're not going to do that. Wait, Lot Lot's got a it's uh, got a murder in his eye. Then yeah, no, he's got I, murder in his yeah. eyes, and he's heading for the for the squire. No, no, that's not going to no. happen. <laughs> that's a no. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I kind of can't <laughs> let that happen. All right, so all of you are um, spurring your horses forward, and it's you know it's kind of like riot control, right? Like all you have to do is just kind of right. interpose your horse between Lot and this boy because he's on he's on foot as well. 
And um, and I'll say since uh, Rod, since you were the first to respond, uh, Linnell is is the first to to kind of uh, block that path. And uh, the king looks surprised and then affronted and uh, slashes at you. Um, so um, it's okay. I assume He's not you a have real your... king. <laughs> lot um i assume you have you are armed you have weapon in hand um so the good news is that since you're mounted and he's not you get a plus five uh to your weapon skill and he gets a minus five that's gonna be my sword Uh uh-huh so plus five makes that a two zero let's see what we can do with that nice that's a five dang it oh all right I rolled a 16 against his modified sword skill of 18. So he's going to whack at you with his sword, but it is rebated. So, wow. But I did roll quite a few sixes. So, I mean, yeah, Lot is, he's a tough guy. Um, Okay. So the good news is you succeed in your roll, which means you're going to get your shield protection. Um, So you'll have 16 points of armor protection, I rolled a total of 26, um, so that's 13. So you don't actually take any damage. However, he does hit you hard enough to automatically knock you off your saddle. That's fine, but he's redirected from the boy. He very much is. Um, and so um, so a general uh, melee is uh, going to break out. So the rest of you uh, are going to get get a chance to take on uh, some of Lot's bodyguard here. So we'll go with, um, we'll go with Cadwallon first. Okay. And uh, so you're mounted, they're not, you get a plus five to your sword. Uh, I'm able to, okay, to use my, I'll be using my spear, it's my main weapon, so. hmm Okay, so that gives me or to 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's a pity of the plus five, because otherwise that would have been, dead on for my spear skill but anyway oh, it gives and it takes away see you know yeah <laughs> i i like that we got both both examples though like getting a modifier that turns it into a crit and getting a modifier that robs you of a crit oh yeah well yeah. speaking speaking of crits i just rolled one oh so... <laughs> give it uh-huh. and take it or take it yes. away yeah. all right so that's going to be nine d6 damage total <gasps> oh Good news is, again, it's rebated. So let's see, 10, 13, 15, 16, still, still quite enough, you know. Um, 16, 20, well, hey, that's weird. I almost, I, I uh, actually rolled less than what Lot did with a normal success. So um, 24, so that's 12 points. You made your roll, so, oh, but Kevlon has kind of funky armor, doesn't he? What does he have? He has 13. All right, so your armor still protects you with the shield. You're fine there. And um, yeah, go ahead and make a dex roll. Uh, stay in your saddle. Uh, nine, which is under my dex, so I make it. All right, great. All right, next we'll do um, Ivrain. Um, question, can I yes. use my honor passion to raise my sword skill? Actually, I will suggest you use your adoration passion. You can uh, invoke that at any time for okay. any reason, because all you have to do is picture the lady in your mind. And if you get any kind of success, it's a plus 10. Ooh, nice. No. Hmm? <laughs> no. 
uh yeah it's a that failed <laughs> all right that's fine um yeah yeah well i mean it's hard to concentrate in battle no it's uh, not thinking about her sister okay so i just so i just roll my straight uh sword just okay. straight yeah yeah exactly oh no that's a 19 ah and i got a six so that's suitable for me and 10 these dice are all over the place 24 so um Mm -hmm. you failed didn't you yes okay so you don't get your shield protection unfortunately which means that even with the rebated uh damage being halved you take a two point and your size is 11 so you are automatically knocked from your saddle oh And lastly, right. tomorrow. Uh, I am not impassioning anything. I am just gonna. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna reach out and touch somebody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So with the plus five, that takes me using my arming sword up to a twenty. I rolled a seventeen for a success. All right, brilliant. And I um failed straight up. So go ahead. So so in this case, you roll the damage indicated for your weapon. Um, All right. It's usually that's either four be, or five. That's going to be five D six. Okay. Uh, that is eight, 10, 11, 14. 14. All right. So let's see. His size is 17. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, no danger of a knockdown, obviously no damage with the rebated blade, but you do fend him off. So the fact that half of you were knocked from your saddles actually kind of illustrates the general uh, scrum that has uh, broken out here now, uh, just completely um, <laughs> completely taking away from any, any pretense of pomp or circumstance or, <laughs> um, you know, uh, dignity. <laughs> and in fact, um, in fact, uh, one of the, one of the uh, lots men, you know, kind of slips through uh, the cordon of horses and goes for for the boy uh, who's still holding the sword from the from the anvil, and um, you know maybe um, Linnell, as you're picking yourself up, you you just see him sort of just <laughs> you see the the youth just sort of casually dispatch the knight of Lothian. You know, the sword just like cuts right through his armor like it's nothing, and um, you know. The guy, the guy goes down bleeding. Um, one of several, several uh, injuries, if not outright casualties, uh, inflicted, and um, and so um, basically, the four of you uh, bought enough time for the rest of the the knights, led by Leona Grants, to kind of surge forward and you know push back against the the knights of Lothian and Gore. And, uh, you know, Lanagrans is shouting from his saddle, like, he is by right, the king! He drew the sword! And Lot shouts back, and like, no beardless boy shall ever be my king! And others are agreeing, like, no mind! No mind! You know? And Lanagrans says, I say he is my king! And he dismounts, and he kneels before the squire. The squire looks around, and he says, as I am king, I accept your offer. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, you are close by to this. You have a chance to be among the first knights to swear loyalty. Oh, yeah. Um, having having protected him, I will go for. I I will um, I, I will dismount and go forward. But um, 
and I will say loudly, I am no knight, but I swear my fealty all the same mm. to the new king. Mm. Love that. And and so um, as Leona Grant and then Cadwallon take a knee and the rest of you follow, and then soon, like most of the crowd is kneeling, leaving just this sort of significant minority looking on, seething, and then um, there's a moment of, of quiet grace, and then Lot breaks it by throwing his rebated sword clattering to the cobblestones, and he goes, I'll be back with a sword that won't fail me. And he leaps atop his horse, and uh, with the guards a half step behind him, and they all pivot and uh, you know gallop off, heedless of those who they nearly trample. And um, and so as they as they ride off, um, the uh, the boy's father takes that as the cue, and he raises his sword and he says, "Hail, King Arthur!" And the crowd echoes, "Hail, King Arthur!" And again, "Hail, King Arthur!" And finally, "Hail, King Arthur!" And so we conclude. Yay! Huzzah! I, I mean, I, I I would then get in, you know, does Nigel Terry look like he's 34? Because he certainly doesn't look like a kid. <laughs> <laughs> they have to cast for the whole life span. Oh, yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> yes. Bravo. They didn't have CGI oh, back Bravo. Then. Yeah. Bravo. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, that was, that was great, you guys. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. So. No, I appreciate um, you yeah. definitely running it for us, running it for the for mm-hmm. our uh, our frequent flyer guest Pookie, who's been chomping at the bit and badgering me since Gen Con because <laughs> he volu- he voluntold me uh-huh. at our Gen Con uh, accommodations <laughs> that I was going to run it for people. Um, well, you know, y- you are the experienced uh, Pendragon uh, um, game game master in the group. Yeah, well, that I am, but um, I just haven't gotten to it yet, so. <laughs> And and to be to be perfectly honest too, uh, I was about ready to volunteer it because I would have liked to have had the practice before the con game, but then Keith, you know, coincidentally said, "Hey, I'm going to ask David if if he went mind running this for the podcast." And right then and there, I just zipped my mouth and said, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fantastic. That's that's fantastic, Scott. What are you running in instead for us? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll that's that's for that. another episode, but. Um... Um, David, do you mind if we, if any of uh, the players have a couple of questions or anything, you got time to field a few questions? Absolutely. There, there's just one last uh, bit of bookkeeping, which of course is glory. Oh yeah. Oh let's, yes. Um, let's glory. not forget the glory. Yes. Now, interestingly enough, we actually came out with a tie for the highest amount of glory, which was to, between Tamura and Linnell. Um, so. I would suppose that um, you both get bragging rights. I don't know, but um, I think that's okay. Know. We can, we, yeah. I would share bragging rights. We share cause... the victory. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is you can easily share bragging rights. You don't live that far. No, we far actually live in the same town. So I'll buy her a beer <laughs> There you in go. real life. I'll buy her a beer next time we get together. There, there you go, Pookie. There you go. I'll be running a tournament after Strategicon between these two and see have them go against the Joust. And there we winner, go. Takes, right. winner takes all bragging rights. We'll break out That's Book right. of Battles, second edition. <laughs> <laughs> followed by the Book of Feasts. Right. You're brave. 
<laughs> so, well, why don't we yeah. why don't we why don't we start with with Roz? Um, Roz, do you have any questions for David or any comments you have about the game uh, that you uh, that you played tonight? I don't have any questions, but it was very mm -hmm. enjoyable. Nice. I, I love to hear that. Linnell. Mm -hmm. I, know her. I know. She's so one of my faves as well. Yeah. I, I guess I guess a good question for you would be then if if you know, as this is part of the coming um starter set, box set, would you then hmm. after you know you've already had a taste of it, would you as a player then be compelled to carry on to the oh, other adventures that are provided? Definitely. Excellent. Definitely. Nice. Oh, great. So, so Scott, that's what you're running for us. I mean, whenever it comes out. <laughs> um... Brilliant, thanks. <laughs> oh, that's Scott volunteered. Not me. Oh, no, it's all good. Uh -oh. Pookie. Um, yeah, Pookie. Well, okay. So, um, yeah, really enjoyed that. Thank you. Thank you, uh, David, for running that. Um, and I'm a longtime fan of Pendragon. I sort of like first played it back in 85 with the first box set mm. um one of the major i mean so one of the major changes you would say between uh the editions 5.1 5.2 and the new edition sixth edition coming um out soon great question um you know the the differences between the latest edition and this one are not huge. Obviously, if you were going to look at first edition, then yes, there have been quite a few changes um, structurally, I'd say. But, um, you know, Greg referred to sixth edition as his ultimate edition. And I think what he meant by that was just basically saying like um, sixth edition reflects like his ultimate vision of what he always wanted Pendragon to be. And so in that sense, there's a lot of like kind of smaller changes sprinkled around, you know, um, like armor is a little different, like it's kind of stackable now instead of it just being like one type, you know, like I'm wearing reinforced mail. It's like, no, actually wearing an Akaton with a halberk and an open, you know, uh, helmets. And then, you know, we saw how there's going to be differences in like what kind of shields you use. Um, you know, so little things like that, that I just think add some extra medieval flavor to the whole thing. Um, you know, the passions, uh, obviously I think are probably the biggest change because like in the older editions, if you fumble the passion roll, you just instantly went mad. Whereas now if you fumble a passion roll, it's, it's not as bad, um, actually. And, uh, just so you guys know, like I, I was actually just kind of running a, a simplified, uh, version of like. How the passion system works because uh right. normally you would kind of roll you know roll to see if you have like a passion crisis if you fail you know and then mm -hmm. there's chances for melancholy and stuff like that uh but you know this is the quick start demo scenario so you know it right was, uh, you know just kind of streamlining it um but i found in in gameplay that you know that encourages people to to try their passion roles more often because in the past people would be like oh i don't want to try that because you know I might go mad or, you know, it's a low value passion. So, you know, it, I might, um, you know, I'll more likely fail than not. And then, you know, so um, I, I kind of like how that works. You know, it's sort of like if you have a low value passion, it's OK, because, you know, um, chances are nothing will happen if you fail. Um, let's see what else. I mean, yeah, just a lot of little things, you know, just a lot of, of small changes. The the most significant ones, uh, you know, are going to be summarized in the back of the core rule book for people coming in from from fifth edition. 
um, and that'll let them update their character, basically, you know. Yeah, I mean, for example, I mean, I'm just looking at the combat skills. There's no lance skill. Right, exactly. So it's that's now like a charge skill, which usually you use with a lance, but you can use it with, with any weapon, really. So if you want to just go charging in with your sword, you can do that. Now, the lance is the most sort of like advantageous weapon to use with your charge skill, but nobody's like forcing you to use it, you know. Mm. Okay. What other questions you got for him, Pookie? This is the start of the, this is the sort of like the introductory adventure in the starter set. Um, mm. What are the other adventures in the starter set going to be? Oh yeah. So uh, so yeah, that's actually Act One of the of the introductory uh, adventure. So that I find that one usually takes a good two to three sessions to play through because it's pretty action packed, and that's basically you know the year of the boy king. So you know Act One is your what we just played. And then act two is kind of like the aftermath. So we saw how the Northern kingdoms were refusing to uh, recognize Arthur. Well, the rest of that adventure is, is, um, you know, seeing the consequences of that basically. Um, and then <clears throat> there's two other adventures. So it takes you through three game years. So you, you can kind of experience the flow of the game. You've got the winter phase and, you know, your characters get some chance to, you know, boost their uh, their stats you know with experience so um yeah the second the second adventure you know basically continues the narrative you know of, of this war with the northern kings and you know you're running uh that that kind of um shifts because in, in the first adventure it's not well the if you've seen the image of the starter set box which is already kind of floating around floating out around, there yeah um that art depicts sort of a climactic scene from the first scenario and it's a big battle of course you know second scenario now it's like kind of almost like covert ops because you're you're uh working on behalf of arthur to like gather allies right and um and then the third adventure kind of wraps things up in um uh, involves you in some very legendary events i'll just say um, and think, is there any opportunity for romance in these adventures? Because that's always a big thing, um, certainly in the long term, yeah. uh, for a Pendragon game. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, that's actually one of the reasons why I gave Sir Rain an adoration passion is because I did want to have a possibility if a, if a player takes him uh, for the campaign that we would have a, a baked in sort of romance uh, subplot, right? You know, because, mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, you know, the scenarios are there to to just provide the kind of backbone of the campaign but right you know if if, if sir Vrain's player wants to keep going back to londinium to you know woo this lady of the white tower mm -hmm. that's you know their prerogative so um so yeah the 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 scenarios themselves since they are set in early in arthur's reign which is a very tumultuous time um you know they're mostly centered around you know politics and war and you know that kind of thing which is you know the bread and butter of the knights anyway you know um but we do have some other scenarios um that will be coming out in let's say um early on as we're rolling out you know the new edition and that will sort of like advance things if you're playing the starter set that will sort of advance things along. And at that point, you know, Arthur meets Guinevere and there's a bit more, you know, kind of courtly stuff going on. So, mm -hmm. so we do plan to like kind of release product that people who buy the starter set can then buy 
that to sort of continue going, you know, um, obviously, you know, want folks to buy the core rule books too, but, um, you know, if you just want to keep running these, uh, these characters, you know, here's some more scenarios you guys could use. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Scott, what did you, what did you think? Do you feel prepared to, uh, to run this? (laughs) I do. Um, I feel a lot more confident because I mean, I, I have read through it uh, a couple times and Mm -hmm. it's kind of my format. I need to kind of read and reread. And then when I finally get it to the table, just kind of put the pieces together. But yes, I do feel a lot more prepared. I, I have a, um, you know, it's, there is certain carryovers from things such as RuneQuest. So passions and whatnot, um, you know, the, uh, the opposing traits similar. So I, 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 the concept, the concept is there, even though the roles are a little bit slightly different, but still the same. Um, was there but, but, te- mm-hmm. but technically the carrier was the other direction correct yes i mean that's that's yes, the that's only correct yeah. that's the only caveat but i mean that again it, it's 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 not like reinventing the wheel you know it's not something that's fully baked in it's like i don't know what's going on but with that so i will have more time running this because this is a four-hour time slot and you know you've oh, wow. proven it's not it's not and it doesn't need to run that that time that's just the the, the shortest time mm-hmm. slot the con provides so sure, with sure. that, um, you know, this, I, I see this as any sort of quick start as kind of like a taste test. Uh, was there anything that you would recommend within the quick start that maybe you didn't touch touch upon or maybe something that I could provide a little bit more just to make sure that there's a couple things, you know, a couple extra things covered uh, within the scenario just to give them a more, um, you know, all-encompassing aspect of the game. I know there's a lot of stuff on the character sheets that aren't even touched upon because it's from the quick start. So it's, it's right. Exactly. Will be coming right. later, but, but anything within the scenario um, that maybe, um, you know, you may maybe skipped over or something you just, you know, didn't do within the time provided, but uh, any recommendation like that? Um, well, you know, I mean, obviously you can really sort of play out the, uh, first part where you're sort of exploring the city, you know, like you could, you could do multiple roles on the city exploration table, yeah, for example, I, I, and just, you know, have a lot of fun with that. Or you, you could like, uh, elaborate that encounter with Merlin. Maybe he actually comes over and talks to the players or, you know, right. whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. And I mean, I mean and, and oh, sorry. And if you if you wanted to, you could also extend the tournament melee by another battle turn. Let's okay. say, you know, yeah, like run run the Knights of Gore. You can even do three. You know, just mm-hmm. run Knights of Gore turn one, Knights of Lothian turn two, and charge King Lot's Conroy, which is the opportunity uh, on turn three. You know, run a nice little mini battle. And yeah. another quick question, because uh, I don't know if this is in the rules, but. Uh, this is just more a personal thing. So when I lost my three constitution, uh, yes. how would that be applied to my current hit points? How are uh, constitution and hit points called? Uh, yeah, so hit points are your constitution plus your size. So ah. it's just the two added together. And, Got it. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. And um, let's see. I think it did... Uh, Sir Avrain actually have a chance uh, with uh, the Lady of the White Tower, or is he just fooling himself? Um, <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to play to find out. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's the answer for everything. All right, all right. The, Keith, the thing yeah, with the adoration yeah. passion. The mm-hmm. thing with the adoration passion is that if you ever consummate 
mm-hmm. uh, your relationship, then it turns into a love passion and the value immediately reduces by half. Oh, okay. So it's actually in your best interest to never try and, right. you know, seal <laughs> the deal. <laughs> it's just, you know, you're just supposed to moon over her for the rest of your life, basically. Right. <laughs> and not, not do the whole, you know, get angry every time you're brushing your teeth next to her going, I, I just, she just doesn't do it the right way. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> no, I only, I only have one question and it, um, yeah. and it kind of goes and, and it kind of plays into the, question that pookie asked about changes so last last month um for our reading club book club we did we Mm. we read this right so we Mm -hmm. read the quick start and one of the uh one of the club members had a question on the oh my god the melancholy rules right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and i don't know that i did it a service in answering his question so i thought i would just kind of throw it out here um Mm. Because who better to to address it than you, right? So yeah, yeah. he basically wanted to know how does it work when you fail the, you know, the. Let me get the page open here. Um, when you when you are when you fumble that passion roll because that's when it's triggered. Yeah. Um. Or fail. Or fail. Right. Or fail. How how does it work, and how and at what point does it take? a character out of the game and become yeah. a game master character. And, and, you know, what, what's it in terms of game play, how long is that actually like, what's the duration of that in reality? For sure. So um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of GM fiat there. Like, so for example, um, I ran this scenario at Chaosium Con last year and um, one of the players, you know, failed their passion role and then succeeded on the passion crisis role um, and became melancholy. And it was during the tournament melee. So I said, oh, yeah, well, you're all pumped up right now. So the melancholy is not going to kick in until after the melee. And she's like, no, I want to be melancholy now. <laughs> I'm like, OK, you know, like, that's cool. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes I'll like delay the onset of melancholy or madness if you're in the middle of a battle or you know, something else um, significant is going on, but it, it really is just kind of up to the GM, okay. both in terms of like when it, when it hits and like how, you know, how, how long it, it, it lasts. Now in the core rules, of course, there's guidelines for, you know, um, it's, it's sort of pinned to the value of your passion. So if you have a, a lower passion than the melancholy lasts like a day, and the mat, if you go mad from it, I think it's like 1d6 days or something like that, you know. But obviously, if you have a really high passion, that's when you're going to be melancholic for weeks. And you're going to, if you go mad, no one's going to hear from you for years, you know. And at that point, I mean, you know, Pendragon is the sort of game where it, it pays to have a backup character, at least <laughs> if not created, then at least in mind, you know, um, right. that you can, you know, that's one of the reasons why we have eight pre-generated characters in the starter set, because it's kind of like, Wow, your character just took a nasty blow to the head and is no more. Here's another pre-generated character. Right, right or, okay. You know, or they went mad. And so they'll come back at some point. But in the meantime, you can play Server Brain, you know. So gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Thanks for answering mm-hmm. that. Sure, sure. All right. Uh any last free attacks from anybody? Any last questions? I, All right. 
I am good. Uh, oh, can I just play this at the table and just cut out our voices and just have David run it for them? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't no, think no. that's how it works. But no, you can it, try. No, no it will be tough but to no. sync things up. I think. Yeah, no, but I, 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 I am uh, more confident than ever. So I'm looking forward to running this. Good. And and hey, we managed to get through the whole of this without one Monty Python reference. And we're going to finish this wrap everybody. up without one. So let's Rude. keep it there. Make it quick. All right. So <laughs> with that, Roz, Pookie, thanks for playing. David, thank you very much for taking time out of your, your busy schedule and your evening to come run it for us. Um, so we could, you know, entertain these guys and put it out as our next episode. Muchas gracias, my friend. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Great. Uh, God, I can't even talk tonight. I'm tired. I greatly appreciate it. Um, you know, anytime you want to come back on the show and talk about Pendragon, we're always happy to have you. you as you know, it's one of my favorite games, so I'm happy to I'm happy to talk about it, happy to play it. So, yeah, absolutely. I will refrain from asking you when it's going to release because I know Chaosium has not made an official announcement. So I'm not going to ask you and put you on the spot. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I will give yeah. you a reprieve from that this time, but next time maybe not so much. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be out by the time I'm on next. So <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope so. Wait, you're on next week? What? No. I um, know uh, I'm a funny guy, but again, thank you so much, Scott. Any yes. lasts from you? Sure. Um, no, I, I think uh, all I have to say is, uh, you know, listeners, if you, if you enjoyed this, you know, please let us know. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, definitely shoot us an email at uh, uh, titterpigspod at gmail.com. Um, and if you have, um, you know, anything to say about the uh, the session, we, we would definitely love to hear from you. Uh, Pookie, thank you uh, again. Thank uh, you for being on. Yeah. Roz, uh, always a pleasure. I'm glad you were able to join us tonight. As was I. All right. So last thing before we go, I know Roz doesn't have social meet, doesn't do the social media things, but you can find her on uh, the Rolling Boxcars Discord. She likes to hang out there. And um, that's where the Titter Pigs also resides on the Rolling Boxcars Discord. Uh, Pookie, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on uh, the, the Rolling Boxcars Discord, but you can also find me at Reviews from Really a Blogspot, um, where I post my reviews, including uh, a review of the previous edition of Pendragon, and also on um, my YouTube channel, uh, Unboxing in the Nook, where I actually unboxed a first edition copy of Pendragon. True story. Uh, and David, where can, uh, where can people find you on social media? Oh, I am at Sir Larkins um, on all the usual places. Um, not terribly active, but I'm there. So <laughs> if you want to follow me, that's fine. I retweet from time to time. <laughs> all right. All right. And you guys know where to find Scott and I on all the social medias. So mm -hmm. we, uh, we are there. We do our thing. And as always, shoot us emails. And we are out of here. Run away! Run away! Oh my god. There it is! <laughs> he did it! He did it. He did it.
rested. Sleep. Rest in the arms of the dragon. Dream.